trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Surviving to Thriving. Today we have with us Allie Shule. She is the youngest of four siblings, but she is the only one that lives here and in Georgia. The rest are in Illinois. She grew up in Illinois and then moved here and went to a community college in back in Illinois where she got her x-ray degree and then through work and all of that she decided to go back to school went to Capella University and she got health management and now she is the office manager slash the runs the entire place of about you family medicine Ali Shul welcome to the show thanks for coming on thank you Heather thanks for having me of course so I always like to go back to the beginning what was your childhood like, high school, and all that stuff? So I grew up um, in a very rural part of Illinois. My dad is actually a farmer, um, still is to this day. And so it was a very small town, very different from what I'm experiencing here in Atlanta. And, you know, very close-knit family. My, um, being the youngest of four siblings, I, you know, went through the same high school as them, and I was always known as their little sister. And it was, you know, just a very close-knit community. Everyone knew each other. We, you know, spent a lot of time at sporting events and, you know, a lot of family and community type of outings. I did not grow up rural at all. I grew up very much in the city. And it is always fun to talk to people that have, that grew up rural because I'm, I'm almost like envious that I, you know, that like you watch Friday Night Lights and you're like, man, I wish that we had like, that camaraderie around that type of environment Mm -hmm. yeah it's I mean it's definitely that was the that was definitely the atmosphere you know everybody in the small town Friday night football was kind of what you did you went to the high school games and and that was just kind of what everyone everyone knew so yeah definitely definitely a small town feeling and very different from from Atlanta yes for sure so you graduate high school and then you go and you said you or in your bio they heard that you went to a community college to get um, an x-ray degree was that something that you always knew you wanted to do get into healthcare? where did that passion come from so you know I knew early on I wanted to be in healthcare. Um, I think I didn't really know what I wanted to do as far as what different path I wanted to go down um I did want to stay close to home because it was, again, I was very close with my family, very small, tight-knit community. So I wanted to go um, somewhere close to home. So I went to the community college and there was limited, you know, different health degrees there. I did end up deciding to go into x-ray because I volunteered while I was in high school um, at the local hospital and I spent a lot of time in medical imaging. And so I knew I wanted to start there and just wasn't sure which path I would go on from there. You know, I honestly thought I would end up 
doing a different type of imaging modality, but I really thought I'd stay um, in medical imaging. And then after college, I moved to Atlanta and I started working for a healthcare company here. I worked as an x-ray tech for a while. I decided, you know, I really liked the company I was with, but I was doing other things. I was, you know, learning to be a medical assistant. I was doing a lot of admin things. Um, so I started to really grow with that company and decided I wanted to stay with them and wanted to go back to school to further my career there. So then I did healthcare management online while going to school full time and, you know, just kind of let things take its path from there. Gotcha. Was there anything like in high school or like your early childhood where you, it was kind of like that defining moment of this is what I want to do? Or was it just kind of always in the back of your head? I'm definitely a people person. I like to listen. Um, I'm, you know, always wanting to help others. So I think it was just kind of a natural, this is kind of what you should do. But I'm not sure there was actually a defining moment that really pushed me in one direction versus another at the beginning anyway. Yeah. Um, So you are working for this healthcare company. You moved down to Atlanta away from your family. What was that like? You you know, you said that you grew up extremely close to your family, um, extremely, you know, that you've got that hometown feel. What was that decision like to decide to move halfway across the country? Well, you know, just like a lot of women, you make a move for a guy, right? Um, right. <laughs> so I, uh, I moved down here. Um, my, he was my boyfriend at the time, moved to Atlanta for a job. And so I came shortly thereafter. Um, we got engaged, got married. Um, and so, you know, I just, it just seemed to be the way that things were going to go. It was, you know, I moved down here for a relationship at the time. And um, when that didn't end up working out, I, you know, had already established myself here and really enjoyed the, the area and decided to stay. Um, I think it's one of those things, too, that home isn't going anywhere. You can always go back to visit. But uh, but it's kind of refreshing to to move to a city and get to experience different cultures and different people and and really realize how much more is out there other than what's there you know in, in and on the farm. Definitely. Um, well, we're <laughs> glad you moved down here and that you stayed. Um, you've been a awesome relationship that we have fostered, uh, Zach and I, with you and um and Dr. Sanders and and all that it's been an awesome relationship that has grown agreed agreed we've gotten to meet some really amazing people and and been able to you know grow friendships and also grow our businesses so definitely so back to this this healthcare company how long did you work there and you said that you you know you're you really love the company you really love what you were doing and it even pushed you to go back to school Mm -hmm. and yet you're you're not working for them anymore was it just uh timing or was there something that happened so I was with them for it was about 10 years um you know I started at the very bottom as you know an x-ray tech and then I grew into a training role uh, training staff at about 12 different locations and then I grew into a management role where I ran my own practice in Midtown and um, unfortunately you know it's just like a lot of other corporate healthcare companies it's it was more about 
how many people could we see, how much money could the clinic make, and it wasn't about the patient. It wasn't about what was in their best interest. It was, you know, we couldn't take the time to really get to know someone or really establish care with them. It was in and out type of visit. Um, and that's actually where I met Dr. Sanders. Uh, he was helping out from time to time at the clinic, um, just kind of working as needed while he was building his practice. And he told me about his plan. He and I really worked well together when he was in my office working. And so I felt like it was just the right time. It was definitely a, a big jump to make, but it was something that I was also passionate about and decided, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I can't go home feeling like I'm not making a difference. You know, I'm gonna take this opportunity with him and, and really see where it goes and see if I can help people. So I made that jump and here we are about a, well, about a year and a half later with a clinic that's open and a clinic where we're actually getting to know our patients, know them, you know, not just who they are, but who their families are, what they like to do, you know, what their hobbies are, really actually feeling like we're part of their lives. And um, that's, that's really rewarding. So what is the importance of having that connection with your patients versus just getting them in the, the room, getting their symptoms and, you know, getting them whatever type of medication or care that they need and getting them out the door. You know, in, in settings like that, um, that's the typical healthcare experience that, that most people have. And, you know, it's not the experience the providers or the doctors want to give, but it's kind of what they're expected to do. And, Honestly, most of the time people have maybe seven to 10 minutes with their doctor or their nurse practitioner, and that's not time to really get to know someone or be able to pick up on cues um, that people really, people aren't always forthcoming with what's going on in their lives. Um, it's not until you really actually build trust with them that they really kind of open up to you. And um, so what we've done is we've established this clinic where our patients have 45 minute to an hour visit with their doctor. And that's not what people are used to. And what we actually can identify from these visits is different than, than what anyone else would be able to do in those quick seven to 10 minutes. Dr. Sanders can really, you know, sit down, understand where someone's coming from. Um, he can help kind of find the root of root cause of some of their health concerns. He'll be able to link back, you know, is this depression or pain or substance abuse related to something that's happened in their past? Is there something that they're not fully aware of? Is there something that has happened in the past that is keeping them from, you know, growing and, and living a healthy life? Does this essentially take the seeing multiple doctors and getting all these, you know, opinions because medications aren't working or treatments not working because, you know, like you said, they're, they're only spending seven to 10 minutes with their doctor. Does that kind of eliminate that whole ordeal? You know, I think most people, they do tend to have a specialist for different parts of their life. You know, if they're having knee pain, they're seeing an orthopedist. If they're having stomach pain, they're seeing a gastro guy. Um, women have their OBGYN. And when you have different doctors doing different things, 
you know, they're needed. They definitely are um, for their specifications. But if you have a really good primary care doctor who can kind of see the whole picture, treat the whole person and not just a specific part of the body, you can really identify the link between certain illnesses or certain diseases to other parts of what's going on with them. So you kind of hinted at it a little bit. You guys can sit with with a patient and you get to learn their life story and, and maybe not their whole life story because a lot of people can't tell their whole life story in 45 minutes, especially if they're trying to figure out a specific medical need. But a lot of times you guys can kind of pick up on depression or anxiety or, or substance abuse through these conversations. Definitely. And it doesn't always happen on day one. Um, I mean, most people come to us in a crisis, um, you know, whether it's something as simple as, you know, flu-like symptoms or maybe they're having an asthma issue, you know, they come to us with something more urgent and then they establish care. We always make a point to then schedule a visit where it's more of just a conversation. One of our very first visits with our patients are literally them and Dr. Sanders just talking, getting to know each other. And through that conversation is is usually when, you know, a patient hints at something that may be bothering them that they're not always very forthcoming with. And Dr. Sanders is pretty good about being able to pull that out of people in conversation and, and help them identify something that they want to talk about. Um, so it's, it's pretty, you know, surprising how many people, you know, are experiencing some sort of mental health issue or, you know, past trauma that they're not always willing to talk about or that they're not always necessarily quite aware of. I think that is so key because a lot of times, even though you may not trust initially trust the actual person that you're talking to, you trust the industry and you trust the, the education and the profession. And so a lot of times people are willing to, and tell me if I'm wrong, but are willing to open up if you give them that opportunity to speak to, you know, to just like start talking and asking questions and building that relationship. Uh, whereas again, in the, the, maybe the more traditional uh, medical field, you don't really get that opportunity because they are just shuffling patients through. Definitely. It's, um, I think that our patients definitely have a different, it's a different experience. There's a different comfort level. Um, as soon as they walk in the office, I think it's pretty obvious that it's, that it's not the typical atmosphere. There's not other people sitting there waiting when they're, when they come in, you know, we know who they are. We know their voice, we know their name. Um, and they're going right back to a room. It's, it's very personalized. It's, um, it's truly about them. It's about the patient. And, and I think that they, they know that from day one, which immediately, you know, is almost calming to them. I, I could definitely see that. And I think that it's so key because um, a lot of times in domestic violence and um, domestic violence homes, the first person that could potentially pick up on those signs are primary care doctors. And if you're not spending that time with your patient or spending, you know, getting to see the 
the triggers or the reactions to certain things, you may never actually pick up on it, even though they're screaming at you without actually screaming at you. Definitely agree with that. How often are you guys finding that you're picking up on depression and anxiety and, and things like that versus maybe they've seen their prim- their other primary care doctor and they're switching to you guys. Are you feeling like you're, you're getting that quicker or, or more often than you did in the, um, like the traditional clinic that you were working at? So I come from a, um, a primary care, I'm sorry, I come from an urgent care setting and I honestly, and this is something that I, I've told Dr. Sanders uh, before as well, I'm honestly very surprised at the number of patients that we have come in who who are struggling with some sort of mental health issue. And, you know, sometimes they're aware of it and sometimes they're not. Um, I mean, I'm really honestly shocked at the number of people that are struggling. And I mean, we've had We've had one in particular that I can think of that, you know, she had been in a few times and it wasn't until her probably third or fourth visit that, you know, she really kind of broke down and, and really, you know, he was able to identify that she was struggling with depression, very much so. And it was something that I think once she did, she was kind of relieved and he was able to, you know, help her and, you know, whether it's with medication or offering up counseling services that are low cost in the area. Um, you know, it's, it was, it was really kind of awakening for her, I think. That's awesome. What are your guys's, um, steps when you finally are like, okay, this is what may be wrong. Like, for example, someone who thinks they're having heart conditions and it ends up being an anxiety attack or, you know, several anxiety attacks in a row. When you finally establish that this is a um, mental health issue, what are your guys' next steps? Do you have the resources there? Do you have to, you know, send them out to different resources? So that's a really good question because I think a lot of places would immediately prescribe a medication and, and you know, say, let's follow up in a couple of weeks. And honestly, you know, Dr. Sanders is not, he's not someone to push a medication on someone initially. You know, if it's something that they truly need, yes, he definitely, you know, can help with that. But the first line is not going to be, you know, a prescription. It's going to be, you know, we have access to counseling services in the area. Um, And a lot of people don't always think about doing counseling because they fear the cost of it. Um, So we've kind of gone out and found some resources where it's, you know, very affordable, low-cost counseling. So we usually recommend that Um, he usually will schedule, you know, a phone check-in with them in just a few days and then an office visit again pretty quickly. So we follow up with them much more closely. Um, In a way, Dr. Sanders, you know, acts as a counselor or, you know, someone for them to speak with because unfortunately, again, a lot of people don't actually take the step to go to those places. So um, he kind of ends up having a dual role. Yeah. Do you um, do you find that a lot of people are reluctant to go just based on stigma alone, or is it really the the cost that deters people? Uh, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. Um, 
I would say for a lot of the patients that we see, I think cost is a big factor. Um, you know, we see a lot of people who, who they can't afford healthcare hardly at all. And that's because we offer such a low cost membership model. That's why they're coming to us. Um, so I think we do get more people where cost is a barrier. Um, but then, you know, we do have some where it's more of the stigma that they just, they don't want to be labeled. and. I think in our clinic, they feel very comfortable and they know that that's not the case. But if they go somewhere else and start seeing someone else, they feel like that may be, they may be judged in a different way. Yeah. Do you find that you guys can use that, that trust factor to convince those people or do, do you guys, you know, does Dr. Sanders just end up being the counselor and getting the person to help them either any way that he can. We do try to quarterback and kind of be the lead in their healthcare. So it might be where if they give me their availability and they say that they're willing to go that, you know, I'll call and, and make them an appointment and, you know, let them know when it is and, and encourage them to go. And because a lot of times people just don't take the steps to do it. They know they should go, but, you know, they'll make an excuse of, oh, I don't have time to call or, you know, I don't, I don't really know, you know, if, when I'll be able to reach out to them. So we try to take that, um, take on that for them and, and help facilitate the care. And then a lot of times, you know, they will, they'll take the steps to go then. So you kind of touched on a little bit that you guys have a lot of a lower income based clientele, obviously mental health reaches all across the globe. It doesn't matter your your health status, or it doesn't matter your social status, your your race, your color, anything like that. Uh, but a lot of times, if you're more affluent, you have more, uh, you have access to more resources. Resources. So the resources and all, yeah. And your structure, have you found that, I don't want to say pricing structure, membership, have you found that you are now becoming that resource for lower income individuals so that they still have access to? all of the healthcare that they need? Because of the way that our clinic is set up as, you know, a membership model, you know, our patients can come in unlimited amount of time. So whether they come in monthly, weekly, bi-weekly, they're not paying anything extra. So, you know, I think it's encouraging to them. There's, it's taking away the barrier of cost um, and access to a physician. So, you know, when they know that they can come in if there's something going on or something they need to talk about, um, they're not avoiding the visit. Um, they also have Dr. Sanders' cell phone number and, and can email and text him so or call him if it's an emergency. So I think that it takes away the barrier of, of feeling like they're going to have to pay for every little thing. Um, so we have some people that, honestly, they'll they'll call just to to talk. They'll come in just to have a visit, just to talk, um, to vent. And, um, and I think that's something that they're not used to doing with their physician. So I think it is, it is different in that aspect. Do you want to explain the, the structure a little bit for anybody who's listening that doesn't quite understand the way you guys operate? We operate in a clinic model called direct primary care. And what that really means is it's just a direct relationship between the patient and doctor. So there's no 
third parties involved, such as insurance carriers. Um, we do a very simple membership model of $75 a month, and, and that to give patients unlimited access to their doctor. It covers all office visits and any type of uh, service or procedure done in office. So things like EKGs or breathing treatments, um, injections, it's all part of being our patient. The only thing that we ever charge our patients extra for are labs and medications, but they're done at wholesale. So they're literally just given out at cost. Um, and honestly, at greater savings because we've negotiated rates with um, pharmacies and with uh, lab companies. That is really cool. Um, I know we are in BNI together, or were until Zach mm -hmm. came back. Um, is there, and I know that you've shared a few stories there. Um, are there any that you could share here about how that model has, you know, helped patients you know, get the care that they need? So I would say one that kind of sticks out in my head, um, one so more than others, is probably one of our first patients. Uh, he is a diabetic and a young man, early, early 30s, I believe. And he came in, his blood sugar level was over 500. And wow. normal fasting is under 100. Um, he knew he was a diabetic, but he wasn't taking care of himself. He couldn't afford his medication. And in fact, he was actually taking his deceased grandmother's expired uh, medications and he yeah. was rationing them. Um, so he, you know, unfortunately just couldn't afford healthcare. Um, so he came to us and, you know, for $75 a month, he was able to see Dr. Sanders um, repeatedly and we were able to supply him with all of his medications and um, even his glucometer, which we give out for free. Um, I believe his medications were under and supplies were under $15 for the wow. month. He sticks out kind of more than others. One, because he was one of our first patients, but also because he was in such a you know dire situation. Um, but that's become more and more common as we've, as we've been open. The stories and the people that we're meeting are just, they're incredible. That, that is incredible. I think that's amazing. And, you know, you hear in the news about everybody, you know, jacking the prices of insulin up to over $600. And, you know, he may, uh, the way you're, you're talking, I think he's the opposite, right? He doesn't need insulin. He needs the other way. Right. Medical person. But, um, but even so, <laughs> you, you think that insulin is $600 and then you were able to get his medication to him for under $15 a month. Like, that's just, that's crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Dr. Sanders spends a lot of time trying to get uh, free samples as well from different manufacturers. So, you know, there's some patients that, you know, they would literally go without um, because they couldn't afford their medications. And now they're coming to our clinic because, you know, we can't promise them that we'll always be able to get the free samples. But for right now, we can. And and that's a big help for them. Definitely. What what kind of growth have you guys seen over the last, you said you guys have been open for two years now? 
Uh, so we opened November of 2018 at the very end. So um, we've just been open, you know, a little over a little over a year and a couple months. And um, we've grown. We have uh, about a little over 300 um, active patients right now. Um, we're anticipating kind of maxing out about 600 as far as what we can we can handle and still give the same level of care. Um, because that's what it's all about, right? Is the experience and the relationships you have with your patients and that the patients have with their doctor. So, you know, we know at a certain point we can't we can't continue to grow and and continue that same level of experience for them. So, um, what we're you know to the point now of deciding, you know, if we are going to continue to grow, how are we going to do this? You know, we're looking to find, you know another physician who has a very similar um, mindset on providing care and trying to identify possibly a second location um, because we do know that you know what we're offering is is very helpful to the community and we want to be able to continue that and we don't want to have to turn people away definitely well you guys heard it here if you are a physician that you know believe in what we're talking about you can reach out to Allie and Dr. Sanders because what they're doing is absolutely amazing that's kind of what you guys are are doing looking forward but what are your goals for 2020 because those seem kind of a little long term we are anticipating continued growth throughout 2020 and I would expect us to be nearly full um, by this time next year so I think, you know, short-term or what is anticipated as long-term goals um, is going to be, you know, pushed up. We need to be identifying, you know, if we are going to grow, we need to be prepared for it. Um, so I, I think right now we're, we're trying to really kind of make sure we're doing things the most efficient way as possible, really standardize what we're doing so that way we can, you know, teach others and help others grow this type of clinic. That's awesome. Um, wrapping up here, we have a few questions that we ask every guest that come on the show. So let me get into that. The first one is, what would the new you say to the old you? Uh, don't get married so young. <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> it's, so, it's so crazy, like, because I grew up in Minnesota, never had plans to get married or not, I mean, not, not get married, but you know, not get married or young. And I moved down South and all my friends are in, you know, we're, we haven't even graduated college yet and they're all engaged or getting married. And I'm like, all right, this is the life. This is how we got to do it. <laughs> yeah, find me a man. <laughs> right. <laughs> it definitely, that is great advice, especially here in Georgia, I think mm -hmm. a lot of yeah. people need to take, take the time to really identify who you are. Yes, definitely. Um, okay, the next question is, what is something that you um, do to get through a tough situation or tough time? It can be meditation, read a book, anything that just kind of like would, calms you down and lets you focus. I would say usually you know times of stress times of uncertainty is 
usually when I try to focus more on others, um, whether it's how I can, you know, what can I do to help someone else? And I guess that kind of diverts, um, you know, what I'm thinking about and going through emotionally um, to someone else. And it's, and it's giving back in a more positive way. Um, Not sure that's the healthiest way for someone to deal with stress, but (laughs) but, but it seems to, seems to help. I was going to say, if it works for you, then it's all good. (laughs) Um, And then um, is there any book or quote or podcast ebook that you have found helpful or um, gives you strength uh, in a times of stress or trauma or anything like that? So I think it's funny you actually mentioned that there is a podcast that I've been listening to that I found very interesting. Um, it's called the Happiness Lab, and I would recommend it to everybody, whether they're going through something, you know, stressful or, um, you know, a time of, of, of uncertainty for themselves now, or whether they're just, you know, wanting to think more positively. Um, the happiness lab is, is by far one of the, one of the better podcasts I've listened to. And, and I think that, um, I'm learning a lot of great tips from it. Um, it's actually a really interesting story. I believe it's a professor. Um, I forget from maybe Yale or Harvard, but she was um, identifying that there's more people um, between the age of like 20 and 30 that are dealing with depression and anxiety. And so she opened up a class where it was just, you know, a happiness class. And she had, I think, over a thousand students sign up for it. And then it just kind of grew into this podcast that she does now um, that's really helping people uh, deal with their depression and, and anxiety and really trying to help them identify um, how to how to be happier and the kind of the science behind it. I'm going to have to look that up, the Happiness Lab, because that mm-hmm. sounds like an awesome podcast. Um, I'll definitely yeah. be checking that out. And if you're listening and you're going through depression or anxiety, you should go check it out too. Allie, last question. How can our listeners find out more about the clinic or reach out to you or hear more about you and Dr. Sanders? Uh, So yeah, we have a website where it kind of tells our clinic story. Um, And of course, Facebook and Instagram, it's about you family medicine. Our website is www.aboutyoufamilymedicine.com. But we're both pretty open and accepting and and welcoming people so we really would rather people just contacted us directly whether it's email or or reach out through the phone so um, our information is on our website but our phone number is 770-648-3462 and we'd be happy just to chat on the phone and get to know people that way too awesome Allie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It has been wonderful talking to you, and it has, I think, you have brought a lot of value to us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2ThrivingATL, T-O, Thriving, A-T-L or online at 2thriving.org.